one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Joe Galli coming up right now from Milwaukee, the CEO. Okay, so let's, let, me talk, let me give you guys a quick personal note. My great uncle has been talking about tools for the past 40 or 50 years, and he always brings up one name, and that name is Milwaukee. And now they're excited. They got a cordless drill going. So they're the best. They're the best in the business. You've seen them at the wrestling tournaments. Kyle Dake, all the top people. They're repping Milwaukee. So it's a great thing. We love what he's doing. But Joe Gala, again, his topic is building wrestling and building winners. Just a quick background. Joe is a four-year starter from the University of North Carolina. ACC champ, current CEO of Tektronic Tech, Industries. They're global leader in power tools, outdoor power equipment, and floor care with total sales over $7.6 billion in 2019. You heard that right, B, B, billion. Amongst his many business accomplishments, Galli was the president of COO of Amazon.com, chief executive officer of Newell Rubbermaid Inc., and was also held a high life management position, high level management positions, including president of Worldwide Power Tools at Black & Decker, and DeWalt. So Joe, thank you very much for joining us. We're honored to have you. Let's hear about your mindset, your success in wrestling and business and life. Yeah. We appreciate it. All right. All so right. Look, look, it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure to be here. everyone. Um, I can assure you that um, winning the ACCs was a hell of a lot harder than becoming CEO of three different companies. So I'm an advocate of, uh, uh, of the virtue of wrestling and the, in the lessons we learn in, in the um, character we develop out of this sport. Um, it's, it's my pleasure to, to be here today. I'm incredibly busy and I have all the time in the world for wrestling. And um, I, um, I'm very proud of what our company's doing to support wrestling, et cetera. Um, okay, quick background. So I, um, um, the company I'm running, Tektronic, actually owns Ryobi, Milwaukee, Rigid, uh, Hoover, Gartelba, about 10 other brands. When I started, we were a billion in sales in 06. This year, we'll do 9 billion. Uh, we'll be 20 billion in five years, virus or not. Uh, we, we, we play to win. Um, we don't, we don't um, 
we don't make excuses about things that, that we can't control. We just manage them. And we have a, uh, an amazing global organization that's, that's uh, right now winning big in spite of the damn virus. Um, I, um, um, I did, I'm from New Kensington, Pennsylvania. So I'm in the, I'm from the WPIL. I wrestled at Valley High School. My section included Franklin Regional, Catanning, which is Jason Nelf's section, uh, Kiskey, Burl, um, and, um, and a couple of other schools. So winning my section was, uh, which I only did once, was not so easy. But I did get to wrestle in the Dapper Dan, and I did get to uh, whip the, uh, the Ohio three-time state champ in, in, the, uh, in the 1976 Dapper Dan um, Ulster event. So anyhow, um, and I was very, very fortunate to be recruited by Coach Bill Lamb at the University of North Carolina. It changed my life. I got out of Pittsburgh. I went to a, a school that had an academic flair um, and, and uh, cared deeply about athletics, and it was it was incredible. Um, since I've been very fortunate um, to take uh, what wrestling gave me and turn it into a business career, I try to give back any any way I can. And you, you're right, we have a lot of wrestlers now uh, that work for us. Kyle Dake is a good example. I just hired a gentleman named Kerry McCoy who wrestled in the Olympics. Rob Beider used to coach at Penn, now works for me. Sonny Abe, um, Olympic uh, wrestler for Japan and coach of the great North Allegheny High School system. He works for us. Uh, Zach Robertson, national champ for, for Bobby Douglas, works for us. And um, I think at last count, I tried to figure it out last night, we have about 29 former division wrestlers that I'm aware of in the company. Um, not all are Olympians, not all are NCAA champs. One of them, a guy named Bobby Shaw, was hired off the college campus of UNC in 07, and he um, was named president of our flagship Ryobi billion dollar business last year. He's 37 years old. He's um, a consistent superstar overachiever, and I think wrestling is a big part of why Bobby's been wildly successful in our system. Um, so uh, we do sponsor a lot of wrestling events. Um, the company supports um, the University of North Carolina program, the Cornell program in college, and also we until last week, we were a massive supporter of Stanford. I'll get to that in a second. Um, I wanted to address uh, everyone. The There's two elephants in the room before I get to my normal, um, why I love wrestling and why I love to hire wrestlers and help wrestling um, discussion here in a moment. There's the, the first elephant in the room is the virus. And this, this, uh, this virus uh, is a global nightmare. And there, um, there are two kinds of people uh, in terms of dealing with a the virus. There's two kinds of companies. There are two kinds of um, uh, colleges, uh, athletic departments. There are two kinds of um, 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 athletes. And uh, when you look at the virus, there's the kind. Remember what I said up front. You know, I, I've spent my career trying to focus on things I can control. And no matter how bad they are, I try to not make excuses about things I can't control or not worry about things I can't control. But I try to manage those things uh, far better than my competitors. Uh, the virus is a new one for me. Um, I never learned how to deal with the virus uh, as a CEO when I went to the University of North Carolina. Um, um, I have two sons that wrestle, one, one a former wrestler for, from Stanford and another who wrestles in a high school up in New Hampshire. And, um, and watching the, what these kids are going through now um, and trying to watch um, how, how demoralizing this virus can be on, to, um, to the young athletes, to the coaches, to high school level coaches, college coaches, Olympic hopefuls. Um, I don't care who you are. If you care about wrestling, the virus is a nightmare. Now, does that mean wrestling is over as we know it? No. I actually would 
our view in the company, what, I, what I've tried to do is to set a world-class role model example of excellence in terms of coronavirus safety protocol. So we wear masks, we do social distancing, we um, eliminate people density. Um, we, are, um, um, we are incredibly careful. Now that doesn't mean we don't exist in society. You know, I have a big customer called Home Depot and their stores are open. So my people have to be in those stores. Uh, uh, but that doesn't mean we're not safe. We wear gloves, we wear masks, we, we hand sanitize you know, more than you can imagine. And, you know, I, I think that wrestling needs to practice um, impeccable world-class coronavirus safety protocol. And let's, let's not forget, guys, um, um, wrestling got um, a black eye from the weight loss uh, issues that we, we saw, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, although I cut a lot of weight and I never got sick, I don't, so it's hard for me to understand that. But um, we had the weight loss perception in society. Then we had the skin disease uh, crisis, um, and there's a lot of skin disease um, that that one uh, that the, the public perceives can come from wrestling. And and this virus is another uh, example of uh, of a societal perception a concern. You know, people ask me all the time, "Geez, how how how?" how is wrestling going to come back if, you know, you have a virus? I mean, you, you, it, the contact sport of wrestling would spread the virus more than anything. Right. And I think that's bullshit. I, it, I don't, I think if, I think if we um, really get around testing and let's hope to God, this vaccine and this movement to, to eradicate this virus goes as fast as I hope it does. But um, I think there's ways to do wrestling in the future. Um, that will allow us to demonstrate that we care deeply about the safety of our young men and women who are in the sport and the coaches and parents involved in the fans. Um, I do. I think if we have weigh-ins today and we do fingernail check and skin check, um, you know, I, I'm personally hopeful that we can have a, an instant virus test to tell us where, whether somebody's infected or not and, and keep the sport safe with that kind of mindset. Um, I know this, things are going to be different than they were before the virus. Um, I also think that the, the world, that society has never needed the sport of wrestling more than we need it now. Wrestling, breed, wrestling breeds leaders, overachievers, people that are inherently disciplined. Wrestling, um, you know, there's no room for an excuse in wrestling. And believe me, there's no room for an excuse in business or in politics or in life. And um, that's why I've had so much incredibly good fortune hiring uh, wrestlers. Um, I, think, I think what I learned from my... My college coach, Bill Lamb, who was amazing, who is amazing, still one of my best friends, is I learned that, um, you know, excuses are for other people, man. But, you know, we, we don't mean in wrestling, you win or lose the match uh, unless, they, you know, it's only, I guess, Cal Sanderson never lost, but the rest of us have lost at least one match along the way is what I understand. And, um, and there's no room for the excuse. So wrestling breeds this kind of leader that, that, um, does understand how to manage things um, um, within our control. And, and I think when we are as wrestling, as a wrestling community, as a wrestling US and global family, when we're at our best, we don't worry about things we can't control. We just seize the things we can control. You know, the Olympics try to cut out wrestling and the great Terry McCoy led this charge with some other incredibly uh, dedicated folks to bring wrestling back to, to uh, the Olympics. Now we made some compromise with that process, but it's still back. Um, and, you know, we're, we're in this fight right now with Stanford and there's going to be some other colleges that are going to 
um, stupidly and make a short-term decision to abandon wrestling. I think it's, I, you know, if there's a good reason for it, I understand it, but I haven't heard a good reason yet. Um, I also, as I talk to some friends around the country, wrestling friends, um, I, I believe that every high school, every, every state has its own bylaws, its own policy, and, and we'll end up deciding. I think we're going to see a lot of states do different things when it comes to the virus and wrestling this, this fall in, in, in the season. You know, could the season be pushed out? I don't know. Um, will some states just drop it? You know, maybe Mississippi. I, I can tell you Pennsylvania will not drop it. I can assure you that. Um, we, will, we will in Pennsylvania find a way to, to wrestle no matter what happens. But um, um, there is going to be a lot of change. And I think the people on this, uh, on this call um, um, just need to, need to realize that you're going to get thrown some hurdles that you have never dealt with before. And that's okay. Wrestlers can deal with hurdles. You know, you wrestle a guy for the first time that does a lateral drop. You've never countered it before. But, you know, you know, don't let the guy pin you. You can get back up and beat him in a third period. And, and you got to look at this, this nightmare uh, like that. This is, this is going to be a, um, a, uh, a large, a colossal wrestling match in many ways for all of us that, are, that, that care deeply about the sport. And, you know, I've never been more motivated in my life uh, in terms of my business, my, my personal workouts, my kids' workouts, and, 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 and what, the wrestling, um, what the wrestling lessons can, can teach us. But, but, I, but I know we're going to have to um, – going to have to change the way we think. Okay, so up front, I said there's two kinds of people, companies, um, when it comes to the virus, athletes. There's the kind that feel that, that, that depressed and down. And believe me, I, I spent a couple of weeks in the fetal position, guys, crying and sobbing until my wife kicked my ass and said, you, you better toughen up. you got 40,000 people to work for you. You can't be depressed. Are you out of your mind? So, you know, thank God I have a lot of familial um, motivation. <laughs> but, um, you know, she, she, my wife's exactly right. You know, getting depressed, feeling bad, Reading the headlines, optimizing what's going on is not the answer. And so the other kind of people, the other kind of companies, the other kind of countries are the ones that say, well, okay, there's a virus. What are we going to do about it? And how are we going to make the best of it? Um, and I love the question in the comment about how do you work out? How do you get kids to work out now with wrestling, you know, or, or just in general with this virus? And to me, I think the great kids, uh, I think you have 10% of the kids, wrestlers, that will work out. Uh, two, three times a day, no matter what happens. I think you have 10% of them that are, that are thrilled that the virus came along so they don't have to go to practice this summer or this fall and don't have to worry about competing in Fargo. And then I think you have the, in the middle, you have a bell curve. You have maybe it's 80% of the kids that are going to be influenced heavily, in my view, by the people on this, uh, on this call. Uh, and I think we all have a responsibility to the wrestling society to um, um, motivate, inspire, the people, our kids, our wrestlers, the best we can. We have to, we have to encourage people to um, take a positive path, attack this damn thing. Um, and, and, you know, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm confined right now in a stupid hotel room doing operator reviews I, that I would, would have done in person. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm running my empire from this setting. But, you know, I'm still doing two-a-day workouts. And, and I'm grateful my kids are working out, maybe more than ever. You know, the, the, the home gym movement, we sell power tools, and we are selling so many freaking power tools right now to families that are setting up home gyms, home, home uh, workout capabilities, even home wrestling uh, situations. Um, so, you know, I, I think any, any kid that cares about wrestling, any kid that is looking to, ex to excel in high school wrestling or go to college and wrestle, now's the time to work harder, man. Now's the time to dig in 
And, and because guess what? I think you have a chance in a, in a crisis like the virus, you have a chance to differentiate yourself and to stand out as an example of excellence that deals with issues in a, in a, in a uh, very positive way. So, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really um, encouraged by, uh, I've had example after example of example of people in my company and people that I know in the wrestling arena that have attacked this damn virus that way. Uh, and um, I would encourage you all to, I wouldn't, do not underestimate how terrifying the headlines make this virus. You know, I don't know how fatal the virus is. I'm not a virologist. I don't know how many people are infected or gonna get infected, I don't. Um, um, there's a lot of theories. I have a lot of doctor friends that tell me different things. I know this, I know that leadership is, has never been more vital in, in our society and in, and in our sport. And leaders, they're, they're, there's one of two things that happens when the person in charge walks in a room and, and engages with other people. One of two things, and it can be on a Zoom call or whatever. Uh, either as a leader, either you, you leave the people that you're coaching or, or engaged with, you leave them more motivated, more inspired, or you demoralize them and leave them feeling worse. And this is binary. It's black and white. There's no in between. So, so uh, to me, the most effective coaches that I've ever seen can walk in a room and get you fired up no matter how much weight you're cutting, no matter how bad you feel. Um, they have a way to uh, motivate, inspire you to, put, to do the extra workout. And certainly before a match, I can tell you, I had a college coach that he figured out a way to get me to beat people that were a lot better than me, man. Okay, I had a pretty good cradle and I ended up hitting a lot of people, but, but these are a lot of people that should have kicked my ass. And my, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I had a coach who believed, um, he believed in me, but he really believed in the idea of getting people to perform at their highest possible level. And, and um, we need that now. And the people on this call that are coaching in high school, the people that are competing, the people that are running clubs, man, your, your talents and your presence in our country has never been more, um, more required. Um, you know, we, th there are so many people that are managing this situation the wrong way. And, and I just encourage everybody that's listening to this discussion don't be that person. Be the person that goes out and makes things happen. Be the person that motivates and encourages anybody that you can um, um, touch, contact, whether it's on the phone or whatever. Let's just try to get people to, to do their very best. And I like the idea of uh, using the virus as a chance to differentiate yourself, whether it's a company, a college, a high school, uh, uh, whether you're a wrestler that wants to do Greco in the Olympics someday, or whether you want to win the Missouri State title in high school. Use, the, use this environment now. Let's all use it as a chance to get better and do things that our enemies, that our competitors are not doing. Um, that's that's um, something um, that we feel strongly about. Um, okay, so, you know, let me shift gears for a second. Um, college wrestling is, is under the gun right now because it's easy for an athletic director to make an excuse like the virus and just cut sports that they don't understand or don't, don't, don't really focus on. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to lose some, we're going to lose some college programs, but we're going to pick up some other ones. And I can assure you, there are so many um, incredibly influential people, powerful people, far more um, influential, and powerful than I am that are, that are hyper-focused on trying to keep colleges to um, um, not lose perspective. Um, and, and, you know, I, I feel like the top 20 wrestling programs are forever. There's, I think there's another 30 that, I have incredible good positions, and I think the rest of them we're going to need to work on. 
Um, and, and it's not just fundraising, it's also awareness. It's also, and this is why I really want to see wrestlers and wrestling the exhibit world-class coronavirus safety protocol. Wear the damn mask, you know, um, wash your hands, uh, cough, uh, you know, the sneeze in your arm, right guys? I mean, we, I get all this training and I've trained all our people on all these things and it's been a new um, experience for me, but it's worth, it's worth being really good at this. Um, okay, so uh, uh, l let me tell you why I, I've had so much success hiring wrestlers, and let me tell you what I learned from this sport. Um, and believe me, there's a lot of people that are on this call that were, were much better wrestlers than I was. You know, I end up winning the ACCs. Uh, my team won the ACC title that year. It was very exciting. Um, I uh, had the incredible bad fortune when I went to NCAAs out in Corvallis, Oregon in 1980 that I drew in a pigtail guy named Leroy Smith who um, proceeded to uh, beat me 16-2. They didn't have the mercy-killing tech rule back then, so I, maybe he beat me 17-2 and he cut me twice. So, you know, this was not my finest hour. I, but, um, you know, I realized I worked very hard, as hard as I think I could have, and I wasn't going to beat a guy like Leroy. And, and, but I'm still very proud of what I did with wrestling. And what I took off the mat, even after that excruciatingly embarrassing and painful loss at Nationals, what I took away is that I, there's some things that I've learned from my 10 years of wrestling that'll be with me the rest of my life. Um, first of all, everybody talks about, you know, working hard, but in wrestling, my opinion is you learn how to, you learn how hard you can work. And this is different. Working hard, you know, guys, um, working hard means, um, yeah, I put in four hours a day, five hours a day, whatever. But there's times when we wrestle and there's times when we cut weight where, you know, you, you might have to go way beyond your pain threshold. Um, and you know, the wrestlers I was uh, teamed up with, we did this many times and the end result of that is, you know, you really learn how far you can push your body. You don't know how hard you can push yourself unless in my opinion, you've done something like wrestling that challenges you to keep going. Um, and so when I, when, you, you know, everybody I know that's successful works hard, everybody in business says they work hard, everybody works hard, but in wrestling, you learn how hard you can really work. You learn how hard you can push yourself. Um, and and that, uh, that to me is a priceless lesson. Um, secondly, you know, in wrestling, you're going to have to deal with setbacks. You know, other than the Chaos Anderson, I don't know of any other wrestler that never lost a match. And so losing a match, I don't know how you guys did it, but I'm, I'm very competitive. And for me, losing a match, uh, whether there's one person in the audience or, or 15,000, is, is as humiliating a setback and as devastating a blow as I, I can't even – fathom anything worse but you you know when you come back and take third or when you walk off the mat and take these lessons on to the next phase of your life you learn that <clears throat> those setbacks are something you can deal with and um you know i've had a lot of personal setbacks in my life i've had a lot of business setbacks and i've been wildly successful i've had it all man um if, if i write a book you assume it's fiction because it's, it's hard to believe the stuff i've been through but i can tell you this um that, that learning how to deal with the, the, the most brutal adversity and setbacks, which you learn in wrestling, is, is a great, um, is, is a great uh, character uh, builder in a great way to uh, set yourself on a course of achievement um, in life. So um, to me, that's, that, that's another one of these super powerful lessons. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, third, the third thing I like to talk about with wrestling is the discipline it instills. Um, you know, if you want to be good, if you want to be elite, whether it's at the high school level, college level, or Olympic level, uh, man, discipline is where it starts. 
and you got to live clean, eat right, sleep well, and um, and even then, in many cases, those things are just an anti. Those are because the competitors, your competitors are not stupid either, and they read the same stuff. So, so um, you know, we have to be supremely disciplined if we're going to uh, uh, excel in wrestling. And and guess what? In business, in the business arena that, that I'm in, which is a war, is it's um, wrestling is competitive, and so is business, guys. And I have um, I have some ferocious competitors that are very envious of our position, and they they get up every morning wanting to kill us. And um, and to me, um, if you lose your discipline, you lose your edge, and you end up giving other people a chance to to creep back in the game or in, into the market. So um, so you know, for me, you know, I learned I learned dozens of things that are invaluable in my personal life and my business life um, from wrestling. But what I, what I, what I like to talk about is and get you to think about is uh, the ability to, to, is the, is the environment where you learn how hard you can really work, how hard can you really work? Number two, how do you deal with adversity? Uh, and there's plenty of it in the world today, believe me. And there'll be new adversity we're going to all see in the future. So we better get used to this. And then, and then third is, um, um, you know, the discipline that, uh, wrestling at an elite level demands is um, is to me a, a, a priceless lesson that you get from this sport. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, before I open this up for for questions, um, I, I also just wanted to um, comment to the the audience. I'm not sure everybody that's listening, but um, I can tell you this: if you're in a position where you coach youth wrestling, high school wrestling, college wrestling, club wrestling, Olympic wrestling regional training uh, center uh, wrestling. If you're in any of those leadership roles with this sport, um, <clears throat> the influence you can have on young men and women who, who wrestle is, um, is uh, well beyond what you can imagine. I think that when I, when I think back, um, the, the two men that had the greatest influence on my life were my father who was amazing and my coach in college. I didn't, I didn't have the good fortune of having the best coach, best coaching situation in high school, I did not. I coached myself, but in college, I had a brilliant, amazing coach and he changed my life. He made me believe I could do anything. My father did too. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of times when I doubted myself and, and having that kind of presence in your life can really help. Uh, so I can just uh, say to the, the people on this um, call that have um, a chance to influence wrestlers, whether again, youth, high school, um, collegiate, the Olympic uh, level, even MMA, the whole world of MMA, you can have so much influence on these people, these athletes, these competitors. You can change their life. They might not even realize it. Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of times we, we're so, we, we, we finish our wrestling career and we walk away, we walk up the mat. We don't even realize how much the, a coach um, has gotten to us and, and made us better as people. Yeah. So um, don't underestimate the influence you can have on, on helping the wrestling community uh, get better. Okay, so guys, look, I, um, I um, would love to open it up for Q&A. Um, I can talk a lot about, uh, I can talk about a lot of subjects. I don't know, guys, if it's, uh, if we have a Q&A format set up here, I'd be happy to take questions and, and uh, or talk about other things that you, you all think I maybe can focus on that would help you. Appreciate it, Joe. Great stuff. So question I have is a head coach is also a CEO in a certain sense, yeah. right? Especially at the collegiate level where, but the high school level too, you have 
the alumni relations, you have yep. the technique, you have all of that. What, what percentage or what tasks would you say are more, you got to delegate this, but you have to spend yeah. more time on that. Like sometimes you have to actually be in the trenches and there's other times where you have to delegate to maximize your alumni relations, yeah. fundraising, this and that. Yeah, it sounds like a UPenn question to me. So Absolutely. listen, um, my view on that is situational leadership is everything. So first of all, yes, being a coach, especially in college, but in high school, that's a CEO position. And then what a CEO does is, is figure out what he's really or she's really good at, and, you, hyper, you, and you, you work on the things you're good at, but then you hire people or surround your people, surround yourself with people around you that are good at the things you're not as good at. You know, not every college coach is a gifted fundraiser or a gifted recruiter or a gifted technician. I mean, I know, see, I know head coaches in college that don't even look at technique anymore because but they're brilliant with administration, with donors, um, uh, and then recruiting, which is a whole other animal. So um, it's a very thoughtful question. And uh, what I've learned over the years is um, there's something that I abhor called foolish consistency. I, I don't think that we that every situation calls for the exactly the same approach. I think I think all coaches should view themselves as 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 CEOs or or czars or kings or emperors or presidents, whatever we want to be. We are leaders, um, but but I think you have to recognize what you're good at. You have to admit what you're not good at. You have to surround people. Uh, surround yourself with people that can can um, improve your abilities. Um, many of the most talented people I know in business fall into a trap, and it's a it's a debilitating trap because they fall into a trap is, and they, they become paranoid or they become intimidated by hiring really good people because they're worried that those people will either make them look bad or take their job. And you know, the the, the very best leaders I've ever seen are the ones that, that surround themselves with people that are all smarter, better, harder working than they are. Um, and by the way, if you do that, you're going to get better and you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to raise your own personal bar of achievement level. And to me, leadership and, and um, management is all about, a, it's a race without a finish line. You never stop getting better. The day you stop getting better, you better retire, man. Um, uh, you, you better just get cash in because the world's changing fast and, and, and the very best people will change. So, so I would say it's a, I'd love the question. Um, I would, I would focus on situational leadership. Um, uh, you know, and, and okay, let me just make one more comment. I've seen coaches that, that, float up so high at the 50,000 foot level that they're not close to their people. They're not close to their coaches or their athletes. And I've seen other coaches drift down into so many details. They want to know what time the janitor is coming for the second cleanup in the wrestling room. And, you know, it's good to go up and down that elevator and get, being able to get into detail and also to be able to, um, to um, delegate. Um, but if you do the same thing all the time, you'll probably screw it up. Makes a lot of sense. Now you spoke about, the, the importance of the, or the concept of a binary impact. When, yeah. you're, when you're around your athletes or when you're, you're around your employees, you're either motivating them or you're not motivating them. You're moving them further or yep. closer. So what do you do? What are some of the concrete strategies you use to motivate your employees? Hmm. And how could a coach um, apply that? Yeah. Well, so I would say um, when I'm at my best, I can be a very powerful catalyst and motivator. But I go into tank once in a while too, right? And you know, I, I, and and what what I've learned over the years is when I when I'm down about something, you know, nobody cares. If I'm in charge, if I'm fortunate enough to be put in charge of a of a wrestling club or a high school team or a college or or, or a company, um, 
I, I don't have the right to be down. I, I, I'm in a position of leadership and um, I can't go in the closet in the fetal position and cry because I'm, I'm disappointed about stuff. That's just, you know, so, um, and when I get down, um, I don't, nobody can see it. I don't want anybody to see it. Now I've learned how to, first of all, I don't get down very much because I've been incredibly fortunate and I've never been more motivated in my life about career and family. I've never been more motivated uh, in, in, in spite of issues in Washington or a virus and all that. I, I just think the world is so much full of opportunity, guys, you can't believe it. Um, but um, for me, I have, for me to be at my best, I have to be motivated personally. I have to believe that, um, um, that there's tons of potential in front of us. Uh, and then, so the, the, so I would say, um, you know, whether you talk to one person, 10 people, uh, 100 people, or 20,000 people in a broader audience, uh, uh, you know, for, for me, people want to see, in order to inspire and motivate uh, people, especially in tough times, um, the audience needs to see you smiling. They need a sense of humor. They need, a, they need to see you be well-informed. Um, they, they need to see you have a command of the relevant facts um, and, and not drift into some kind of a dinosaur stage where you don't understand new technology or whatever. They, you know, people, um, you only get one chance as a leader to make a first impression. You get one chance to make a first impression. And if you screw that up, it gets a lot harder. So um, we all, the other thing though, is uh, many people that I've managed and, and mentored over the years, you know, they come back and say, well, Joe, you know, you're, you're, you're a great motivational speaker, a great public speaker. I could never do that. And oh my God, you, you know, you love business strategy. I'm never going to be. And, and, you know, my point to people is that leadership doesn't come in one size and shape. The way I lead is, um, is something I've developed over the years and I'm pretty good at it, but there's many, many other styles of leadership that have nothing to do with what I do that are also very effective. So, you know, this is not a stylistic thing. This is all about, you know, if you want to lead before you engage with other people, you have to think through, what is it that I want these people to do when I walk out of the room? What is it, what do I want people to take away from, from my comments, from my presence? Um, and, and if you think like that, it'll help you with how you lead and what you say. Um, you know, um, uh, just to tie into that, uh, culture is something that's underrated. So great leaders perpetuate, propagate culture. In, in culture, you know, you have a winning culture and you have a losing culture, right? And, and culture is what happens when the boss is not around. Um, you know, when, when I walk out of the door after a, a, a six hour board meeting, you know, culture is what everybody says, does, and implements as a result of my presentation, my presence, or whatever. That's culture. The other thing I think is worthy of a uh, comment, and I've thought about this a lot lately, is legacy. You know, we people talk about legacy. Legacy is usually what happens when, when you're, we die or when you are no longer um, present in, 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 the, um, in, the, in the world that matters to you. Um, and it's good to think about what you want your legacy to be. Um, and that's hard to do because it's very long term. And you don't have to die to leave behind a good legacy, that's for sure. I know, I know. There are plenty, plenty of legendary leaders that I uh, look up to and I've learned from um, that help me every week. Um, but um, I just, I like, I like people in charge to think about culture, which is what people do when you're gone, and legacy, which is what people do after you're gone more permanently. That's great. And it's never too, it's never too late to start beefing up your own obituary. All right, so we got another Yeah, well, there's, probably, there's probably more, less morbid ways to do that, to say that. 
but um, but you know that metaphor, that metaphorical construct in your head is not so bad. Uh, okay, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I, I can't rip on that one as my own. That's from the world's most interesting man. Remember those commercials? Those <laughs> <sound> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I could compete with that guy, but I I'm certainly not the world's most interesting man. But I tell you what, the commercials are great, right? Grow a beard and you're well on your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got one here from everybody. He can't wrestle. I bet I kick his ass on the mat. I guarantee you that. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yes. <laughs> all right. Eric Spencer says, right now in the economic environment, how do you approach businesses for financial support for high school? Yeah. Okay, so say again. So you said economic environment is a fiasco right now. And how do you, what's the question? How do you approach, how would you recommend he approach businesses about gaining financial support? As <laughs> Uh, selectively. Okay, there's two kind of businesses right now. Uh, if you pick up, and by the way, if you pick up the Wall Street Journal and watch any of the business channels, you'll see one one day United Airlines is firing 80% of our people and Carnival Cruise Lines is finished and JC Penney can't keep the doors open because they can't make any money. And so I would say about 70% of businesses globally have really gotten murdered by this virus. And But then there's 30% of businesses that are achieving record results, like TTI, like us, or like Home Depot or Walmart, or like Amazon.com, or like um, 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 you know Costco, and um, or Peloton. Look at Peloton. So who would have guessed that the um, fitness industry would be decimated, wiped out, and that the home gym movement would be a stampede? But it is. It's a stampede. Um, uh, you know, I think I wouldn't want to be in the business right now of developing office buildings in downtown Manhattan or Paris or London. But, um, but you know, country living is back. So if I was, a, well, we, we sell contractors. If I'm a contractor, I'm going to shift my business to suburbia, to, to the semi-rural rural areas. And um, I, I'm, I focus on a house versus a condo. I focus on creating an infrastructure in a suburban area that's away from the city, that's more, that's perceived to be more safe, um, and that allows me to, um, to still make a living. So I think if you're looking at raising money, going to a company that's struggling is, is futile. It's a waste of time. I wouldn't bother. But there are so many companies now that are kicking ass and flourishing um, that I would, um, I would be very selective, is, is my answer. business that as soon as corona hit and we had this big shutdown we said look this is a critical time look at history some businesses take off to the next level and other yeah. businesses crumble so we got to get to work right away so yeah. i really look at you as a great role model for this yeah thanks yep. absolutely got, got another question for you over here it says what, right, was, let's go. Let's go. what was the biggest difference in high school wrestling experience versus your college wrestling experience and what motivated you to continue wrestling well, um, first of all, I started wrestling in sixth grade because I was on a gymnastics team and, and uh, the wrestling coach saw me the way I was fighting the rings and he said, look, you have no freaking chance ever as a gymnast. So you, you like to fight, obviously, because that's all you seem to do. So why don't you come up for wrestling? So I was one of those kids that didn't have the hand-eye. You know, I loved baseball. I just couldn't hit, throw, or, uh, or catch. Other than, I was the fastest runner on the team, but, you know, so I had some attributes that were good for wrestling. I, I did set up the the push-up uh, record in Pittsburgh for a competition once. And I had some virtues, but they had nothing to do with basketball, baseball, football. Um, you know, I tried to swim, but I would sink like most wrestlers. So anyhow, so I got into wrestling because I wanted to compete and, and, and it was a good fit. Also, I was tiny. So when I was a senior in high school, I wrestled at 105 pounds. I dropped the 98 to wrestle in the Dapper Dam. 
know, I ended up um, winning ACCs at 142, but I was, I'm a late bloomer. So, so wrestling was kind of the only real choice. Um, it, the, in high school wrestling, um, you know, I had, I had the incredible good fortune of having a mom that drove me to wrestling tournaments or wrestling, you know, so I wrestled in high school from 74 to 76. And my mom drove me to Virginia Beach, she, just basically dropped me off at Billy Martin's Granby camp. And, you know, I spent five weeks there. I would end up, you know, after three weeks, every, every summer, they made me one of the counselors because, you know, they couldn't get rid of me. And, um, and so, um, uh, you know, and mom, you know, she, she didn't want to, she didn't care about any letters or phone calls. She just said, just, um, I'll be back in five weeks. You better, you better get better. And, and then we would go from there and she'd drive me around to wrestling tournaments. And, um, you know, it was, um, I was very, very fortunate to have a mom that was that dedicated. I'll tell you guys a funny story. So I wrestled in the tournament in Lewistown, PA. This is probably 75. And um, it was like a 40-man bracket, tough tournament. And, and uh, you know, my mom would take me to these tournaments. I had no coach. Uh, I had no high school coach that, that would go. And back then in the summer, you know, many coaches didn't participate in your, your wrestling development. So mom would just take me and drop me off. I'd wrestle in matches. And, you know, I, I met a few friends in the locker room who – would kind of sit in my corner, but anyhow, so I made it to the finals of this tournament, and I'm going against the kid, name was uh, Mark Dugan, he was uh, uh, eventually one of the top rated recruits in the country, PA state champ, I think the rest of the Maryland, um, unbelievably tough kid, he was, he was a couple years younger than me, so anyhow, I go on into the finals, and they saved the match as a showcase match, because it's a local kid, he's from a local area, and I'm the interloper from Pittsburgh, and this is an area that hated wrestlers from Pittsburgh, Whitfield, so anyhow, I go out in the mat, and you know, um, I always loved wrestling in enemy gyms more than my own gym. Like it, when I went to UNC, I loved wrestling at NC State. I loved the booze and the, you know, the banana peel throws and all that. So anyhow, I'm looking around. Everybody's uh, clapping for some kid and, and booing me. And I'm getting so fired up. And a ref comes over and says, uh, Sarn, um, uh, where's your coach? And, and uh, this guy, Doug, has got like seven coaches over there. Right? And um, my two chairs are empty. I said, well, you know, my mom's my coach. He said, well, you your mom can't be your coach you you know how, how can your mom be your coach i said well i don't know she's doing pretty good so far because i'm in the freaking finals here i it must be doing something right so anyhow um they talked to the, the uh, trainer into sitting in my corner you know i i took the guy down three times and the score was still zero zero because his own cooking i ended up winning the match um and and you know uh, that's an experience that stays with me um first of all i i can't tell you how grateful i am to have parents that really believed in me um but secondly, you know, um, that kind of experience makes you, you know, you either run away from that or you just love it. And, you know, that would, I can remember that night carrying that big trophy out with all the people swearing at me on my way out of the gym saying, yeah, I love this, man. I, I want to get better. I want to be, I am going to be the very best wrestler I can be. I, I will not be Dan Gable and I will not be John Smith. I understand that. But I'm going to be pretty damn good. And, 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 you know, the harder I work, the better I'll get. And so I developed that sort of mindset in high school. I wasn't really that in high school. I I, I didn't really hit um, the, the highest level until my senior year, um, and um, and then when I went to college, I got off to a fast start. But then I started growing. You know, my first wrestling tournament at, at UNC was the Carolina Open. I was the third string 118 pounder. Um, I know somehow I won like three straight overtime matches, and I got in the finals and won. I was the only freshman to win it at 118. And then the next week I weighed 147. So I kind of screwed up my chances to, to stay at 118. Um, and, um, you know, I wrestled 118, 126, 34, 42, 50, and 50, 58. So that's like six out of 10 division one weights. I'm not sure many people have done that. But that made it, 
So I started off fast. Then I, I struggled my sophomore junior year. And then my, you know, I actually placed third in the ACC three times. My senior year, and I'll never forget, Coach Lamb, my senior year, I decided, you know, what's the point of doing all this wrestling if I'm not going to win? I mean, this is too much freaking work, you know, and, you know, there's other things I could spend, believe me, spend my time on, right? Um, and so my senior year, I just decided um, that, that I was going to win. And, and, and I remember when I blew it, when I lost the semifinals of ACC's my junior year at Clemson, uh, you know, going against one of Wade Chalice's kids. Chalice was the coach then. And, you know, talk about a great technician. He's amazing. And um, I remember walking off the mat and, and my coach came up to me and he said, you know, you're the hardest worker on our team. How, how can you work that hard and, and lose a match? Like, how could you not translate that work into um, more a, a success? And I, I really got back and got strategic. I said, you know, I am working hard, but I work, instead of me practicing 100 moves a night and doing drilling them each 30 times, I just cut it down to my cradle, which I did 300 times a night, um, along with my gripper stuff to get really good at it. And I focused on, um, you know, one high C change up to double and, and on the bottom, you know, I just stood up. I mean, nobody could hold me down because I was in great shape. And so I focused basically on five moves instead of 100. I drilled them um, like a maniac. In my senior year, uh, I started beating people that were better than me. And, and I ended up winning that, that tournament, which meant a lot. So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, there's a lot of lessons and a lot of stories you can, that you can learn from. So go ahead. Awesome. Yeah, no, don't, two great lessons right there. Takeaway. It's a, what did Bruce Lee say? He says, I hear a man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times, not a man who's practiced 10,000 kicks one time. And never underestimate the, the effectiveness of an Italian mother in your corner. <laughs> yeah, an Italian old man back home who wants to know why I didn't win, right? Um, my dad didn't ask me um, how many A's in my report card. He asked me why I had a B. Um, by the way, I love that Bruce Lee saying, you know, and guys, think about that. I fear not the man that practices 10,000 kicks. Or I, I fear not the man that knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man that knows one kick and practice it 10,000 times. It's like another saying I love. Um, I fear not a, a team of lions managed by a sheep. I fear a team of sheep managed by a lion. That's, the, that's leadership, guys. That's what, that's what um, a coach, a CEO, a, a club coach, that's what we have the ability to do. Now, I'm not saying the kids that wrestle for us are sheep, although, um, you know, I've seen an awful lot of sheep in my business career. Um, but, um, you know, the lion wins, baby. When the Absolutely. lion's in charge, the lion wins. Absolutely. Last question for you. Your wrestling success, your business success. Mm -hmm. I know there's no exact answer and you can't put an exact number on it. What percentage of that success is related to the technical skills versus the mental skills? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the, the tactical skills in wrestling are um, less important than many of us, um, I, I believe, think. I, look, in the first period, you know, it's all about um, great technique and t being slick in your takedowns. Second period, you know, you see the way the momentum is going. Third period, it's all about heart and mental. I, 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 would, I would say mental and, and, and heart both, um, both matter a lot. The most... Um, the award I won in my life that's uh, meant the most to me is um, 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 when my coach in my senior year, I was never the OW. I never had no chance. I mean, I was on a team with, with um, five All-Americans and national champs. There, there was no OW in the cards for me. But when I won, I won the, um, uh, uh, the leadership award for having the, 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 the greatest influence on and off the mat, 
um, that award um, for me was uh, powerful. It stopped me in my tracks. I didn't even realize I, uh, that I had that effect, but um, I was grateful to get the recognition. Um, so, you know, I, I think, but look, let's not, let's not, foolish consistency is bad. And there's no, you know, some kids are brilliant technicians, could be a little tougher mentally, but they can still win it. You know, some kids are miserable technicians, but in the third period, you have no chance. Um, and to me, uh, I, think, I think you have to look at what you're really good at. Um, I do think we practice too many moves. I, I, you know, my own view, it's like in business. You know, there's an old saying in business. If you have more than three priorities, you have none. And, and you know, to me, um, you know, if in wrestling, if you focus on fewer things and you can hit them on anyone at any time, I think you'll win more. Unless you're Jimmy Carr or, or Dan Gable, um, I think you win more. And so uh, I, I do think focusing on the, on the technique side and specializing in mental toughness and in heart, that I think to me is a good recipe. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, just echoing what you said right there, exactly. It's like we always say sports are like 90% mental. And then we ask how much time we're training. We say we're training 90% physical. So we want to make sure that we're working. Yeah. We want to work both hard and smart. Yeah. You don't have to pick one or the other. Pick both. Yeah, the choreography of all that is not so easy. That's where coaches come in. And, and you know, when I say this thing sometimes, I see kids say, ah, I don't have to train. I don't have to practice my double leg takedown, you know, because Joe said I'll just win in the third period. Anyhow. Well, that's bullshit, too, because, you know, there's nothing wrong. If you perfect the technique, that's the, you're going to win more matches. But there's no question, especially at the collegiate level, the mental side, trying to balance um, grades, girlfriend problems, future career, along with um, cutting weight in, in, in wrestling. There's no question. Mental toughness and discipline is a massive differentiator. Uh, and, and so um, I think, I think um, it's, it's a very thoughtful question. And I would challenge everybody on the call to think about your own approach. Um, what worked for you? How good were you technically versus mentally tough? And don't forget the hard part. And what are you trying to inspire with your kids, right? Joe Gala, thank you very much. You're a great ambassador for wrestling. Thank you for all that you do. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate, appreciate right. you being on the call. Great information. Thank you. All right. God love you guys. Stay safe, please. Let's make wrestling as a family look really good. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.